Welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. I'm Ludmila, founder and CEO of Rampic, a B2B digital marketing agency. We help tech founders get the most of their marketing effort and promote their stories to our audience. We believe that every tech founder has a unique story and their business needs attention. Stick around till the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can become our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Hello and welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge Podcast, the space where tech founders and leaders share their unconventional thoughts and stories. And today I'm here with Sunny Abdul-Jabbar, the CEO and founder of Festec. Sunny, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. Um, Sunny, you happen to lead your business uh, by a very interesting principle because grandma told me so. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you share this a little bit, like the, the little the background of that story with our audience, if you don't mind? You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm happy that you noticed that. Um, no, it's a real story. So the story is that uh, many moons ago, when I finished my business program and joined the corporate world, my, some of my first jobs were corporate process optimization. So I would go from company to company and look at their processes and see how things can be more efficient uh, can be made more efficient so your toyota and warner brothers and direct tv and you know those kind of big companies in the middle of all that uh i visited my grandmother and like any other grandmother she wanted to know what what i do for a living so i tried to explain in as simpler words as possible that you know when i do my thing with my my voodoo my magic with with, with, with these big companies each of their employee can do the job of three people. And this lady who never went to any business school, her response was, so if one person can do the job of three people, then what happens to the other two people? So I said, well, you know, they let go. So her response was, oh, so you take away people's bread and butter. That was a gut punch. And so I said, love you too, grandma. <laughs> Finished my holidays, came back to work. And, and but that statement, you take away people's bread and butter, that stayed with me. And I kept thinking, what can I do uh, in order to create opportunities and not take away opportunities? And that's, it, it was a good time um, in, in, in a way that there was a need for tech. US was still sort of reeling out of the uh, 2000.com bubble. There was need for technology in all these companies and the money was tight, kind of like where we are now in the economy. And I was always interested in tech. So all these things kind of, you know, kind of fell in place. And uh, I started Vestec, an emerging technologies company in 2006. So that's the story behind, you know, because grandma told me so. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, it, apparently uh, it, is, it is a really cool story that it's actually applicable to where we are right now with AI, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with the technology being taking away jobs from some people and creating more jobs for some other people. Mm -hmm. So how do you see this principle working in 2024 and onwards? So in the era of AI, I've been challenged uh, and I've been sort of wrestling with this idea that I built the company, I built my career on this idea of creating opportunities. And now there's AI automation. When you differentiate between jobs and opportunities, then we can solve that problem, right? So you are right when you say AI takes away some jobs, creates some other jobs. 
but in the net if you look at you know in in uh, some total at the end it's creating opportunities an example i'll share with you recently we um well within the last year or so we completed a project in an industrial environment where well we are all uh, we are all familiar with chat gpt right so we took a custom gpt in the industrial environment so think gpt powered faqs for technicians in a factory so they can carry their mobile devices with them. They're working on a machine. The machine is not working optimally or the machine stops working, whatever. They don't have to run to help desk or call somebody. They can just pull out their phone, say machine is showing X, Y, Z, what to do verbally. And, and the device responds verbally, you solve the problem. Now this factory, they've been in business for a very long time. They would, uh, they used to have one person for every say 20 technicians working on the machines one one help desk person supporting say 10 or 20 uh, technicians now with this new technology we have one help desk person supporting 100 technicians i'm just making up these numbers just to show the, the difference did we take away the jobs of those help desk people yes we reduced the jobs but at the same time that help desk person is now free to improve their skills learn something else and maybe become that technician and make more money so it's that redundant work that's being taken out. Uh, and there's several other examples that I can share with you during our conversation. But, but the key point here is the jobs are wherever there are redundant jobs, those are taken out. So we, the humans, we are forced now to think a um, little bit outside the box and not just, um, you know, aspire to getting paid for doing redundant work, rather think at a higher level, think in more complex terms, do more higher level work. So more opportunities, maybe fewer jobs. Yes, that that's awesome. Uh, some uh, that's not my thoughts, but uh, I, I really like the concept of it. Uh, some so some people are comparing uh, the invention of AI with the invention of the alphabet, and then the invention of internet. So the the now it looks like we have a lot of opportunities, but um, also the ethics are highly affected uh, from what i observe from the industry so how about the human values because uh sunny you wrote the book right so it's just released it's bestseller on ai okay. so hopefully uh, uh this question uh like I'm, I'm asking the subject matter expert here so uh Sadia, how do you see uh humans remaining humans in the area of era of ai so what what should drive us for the technology to still have humans, to still stay humane and uh, transfer the values that we've been raising for centuries. What's your take on that? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's, for this, it's forever. <laughs> it's a very good question. So uh, Vestec, uh, my company, has been uh, working on AI and AI projects for quite a few years. Um, chat GPT became mainstream and household word only recently, 2022. Um, but we've been in, we've been doing this kind of work for for quite a few years. And every time I remember, every time I would bring up AI in any conversation, the very first response would be Terminator. Robots are coming to get us. Now what? And I kept thinking, well, the fear is actually not totally baseless the fear does make sense uh there are many scenarios that have been portrayed in hollywood um, in which robots take over ai takes over sometimes with good intentions too. save humans from humans good intention 
We are bad for the climate, for example, take out the humans. You know, we are bad for each other, take out the humans. Like every problem you look at, it can be linked with humans. I'm not, I'm not taking a position, humans good or bad. I'm just saying that a line of logic, a line of thinking can take you to conclude that humans are bad. So therefore humans should be taken out. So Terminator-like scenario is not something that's too far-fetched. And especially in the current era, when, when uh, the first place where any new technology goes is defense. So now we're building robotic uh, uh, war machines. And uh, so, that, so that fear has become very real. So my question was, how do we avoid that future? And I started asking this question about six years ago. I went to people from many different walks of life, from sociology to theology to business, technology, law, uh, legal, um, government, you know, you name it. Like everybody who would listen, I asked this question. How can we avoid Terminator-like scenario? How do, we, how do we prevent machines from doing, you know, these scary things 20 years from today? Just looking at the evolution of technologies. So 20 years from today. One gentleman, a scholar, a sociologist, he asked me, he said, if you want your kids not to do stupid things 20 years from today, what would you do today? What would you teach them today? So I said, well, I'll teach them human values. He said, yeah, that's the answer. Why is it that most of us don't wake up in the morning and plan world takeover or kill the neighbor or you know hurt somebody? We don't do that, most of us. Reason being, we have these human values built in our DNA kindness, compassion, empathy, you know, consideration, all those things. So now compare that with how we train AI. The way we train AI, we give it large amounts of data. We expose it to data. And then from that, it uh, learns and extracts information and learns based on that and looks at patterns and all that. And that's why, side note, which I find funny, one of the first AI images, do you know what those were? Uh uh, the person that doesn't exist that that kind of project even before that cats. before that cats. cats cats you know the reason because the ai was that ai was trained on youtube videos <laughs> and what are the most frequent videos on youtube cats so whatever you give to ai ai is going to think that's the way of doing things and it's going to try to imitate that behavior if you show it cats, it's going to talk cats. It's going to think that the world is run by cats. If you give it, uh, there was a Microsoft project a few years ago. They created a piece of AI in the uh, image of a uh, young 14 years old girl. Now, this 14 years old girl was supposed to be the best of humanity. She's the kindest and the most loving and the most compassionate and the most pro-humanity. Within less than 24 hours, this kindest person, AI person, went from being that to being a bloodthirsty dictator who wanted to destroy Ooh. everything. Less than 24 hours. What happened in those less than 24 hours? This AI was exposed to Twitter data, now X. And what do we talk about on Twitter? We talk about silos. We talk about hatred. We talk about attacking each other, all kind of negative stuff. And it learned all that, and it then it became that. So uh, going back to your question, uh, the, the fear and all that. So the response to that is training AI with human values, training AI with the, with, with the same values that have saved us for, for millennia from completely annihilating each other. That's the answer. And the book that I wrote called Makers, 
Makers um, is, um, I set out to write it as a uh, sort of a manifesto, like how to do X. But then my advisor, uh, Mr. Mark Victor Hansen, who is the uh, author of the Chicken Soup series, um, a very well-known author, he's my advisor. He said, no, um, show it instead of tell. Instead of tell, show. So we wrote it in the format of a novel then, in which uh, AI character and human characters, they interact. And then in every chapter, we show a different human value and how that impacts that interaction. And there are some, there are some interesting lessons there. But the key, the key takeaway from the book and the answer to your question is it's the human values that if we can teach to our kids and to AI, that's the future, right? Our children and our AI is the future. And if we can transfer those human values, the best of those values, then, then we have a hope for the future. Oh, that's a great answer, Senya. Thank, thank you so much. So, uh, and um, another thing, tell me, tell us more about Vestec because the audience that I hear are tech founders, right, mm -hmm. uh, of different stages uh, in their uh, entrepreneurship journey. But uh, what's what's your take on transmitting those values into your work? Because uh, AI and crypto to be in the intersection of those two worlds it must be very interesting. And again, uh, from the ethical standpoint, how do you work with your team? How do you lead? So I think that's a two-part question. The first part is um, how do we bring those values into business? The, the answer to that is um, very early on. I think it was the first time I hired uh, a salesperson, a business development person, uh, and uh, they wanted to know what kind of projects should we look for. And I said, legal, moral, ethical. After, you know, after putting some thought into it, it's obvious, right? Everyone should know this, but I felt like I had to put it on paper. So as long as it's legal, moral, ethical, we'll do it in the, in the IT world. So that's the first part. So that filters out lots of the projects that we don't want to touch because they don't they don't fit that criteria what we consider uh, i mean legally is quite clear but morality and ethics can uh, uh, can be debatable right uh, so that that has been well defined over the years we've been doing it for almost two decades now so that's that's kind of well defined uh, the second part is uh, how do these different technologies your crypto and blockchain and ai and machine learning how do all, how do all these things fit together my I, I would encourage the listeners to look at these technologies as pieces of a bigger picture, not as individual technologies on their own. So if you think of it, think in terms of a process flow. So first of all, you collect data. Every conversation in the AI space, in the Web3 space, starts with data. Data has to come from somewhere. It can be human entering data, it can be machines, it can be uh, sensors, it can be aliens. Who knows? Someone is entering the data, right? So you have that data. Now that data is owned by somebody. It needs to be secured and protected. And it has become increasingly challenging to keep that data secure. Um, so that's that's your blockchain world. That's where you secure that data. And not only secure, but also the ownership. Your health information, for example, belongs to you. Only you should have access to it, and you give it to somebody who you want to give it to. My... my um, uh, internet user, usage history should belong to me, and I should be the decision maker. Now I'm kind of stepping into your world, marketing. You know, 
I should have some say in what I want to see in terms of ads, for example, that pop up on my screen. If I could own my data, I could, I, if I could be compensated for exposing that data to marketers, right? Now there's a business model there. So that's the ownership and security of data. Then now you have mounds of data, what to do with it? That's where AI and machine learning comes into play. We look for patterns, we look for trends, and we find actionable items out of it. And then things like smart contracts, which is a subset of blockchain technology, we can automate lots of those actions, right? Crypto, um, I know there's a lot, when you mentioned crypto, a lot of people are thinking Bitcoin and Ethereum, but think beyond that. Think the crypto technology. What is crypto technology? Crypto technology is basically, it's a piece of code that correlates with some value. If you and I agree that the value of this piece of code X is such, you know, that's the value. Now, how do we agree on that value? There's a logic behind it and different crypto uh, currencies, they have different logic. That technology is essential when it comes to rewarding and penalizing people in the Web3 world. Example I'll give you, um, we created a platform a couple of years ago for the apparel industry. Now, apparel industry is the second biggest polluters in the world after um, oil and gas. So in the apparel industry, uh, especially in this era of disposable fashion, lot of pollution going on. So the idea of uh, environmentally friendly fashion, that's not just a marketing idea, but that's in line with uh, United Nations uh, goals. Uh, that's in line with uh, uh, what younger generation, especially what they want, because they are very, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're causes conscious, right? They're environmentally conscious. So, so you have to put this data in front of them. But how do we how do we tell somebody that you know shirt A is more envi environmentally friendly than shirt uh, shirt B? When both look the same, both are white, both are you know same size, same quality, same everything. But which one is more environmentally friendly? So we created a platform uh, in which we track the carbon footprint all the way from uh, the uh, cotton fields in Colombia to manufacturing in 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 Mexico primarily and uh, st stores in the UK and EU. And then not just that, but also the end of life after you have finished using a piece of clothing. Now, what do you do with that? How easy is it to dispose it off and how environmentally friendly that is? And based on all that, we calculated a number. We call it green score. So now every piece of clothing has a green score. So you as a buyer, you have the option to pick either shirt A or shirt B based on the green score. And the manufacturer also has the option to go to cotton manufacturer A or cotton manufacturer B based on their carbon footprint. But go to the beginning of the equation, collecting of data. Why would somebody enter that data into the system? You have to incentivize them some, somehow. If they're individuals, especially cotton fields, it's not very high tech, so it's usually individuals entering the data. So, how, so that's where cryptocurrency come into play. So you create a crypto system within your uh, platform where you incentivize these, these individuals for providing that service. And also you can penalize individuals for messing with the system, right? So crypto technology itself is the technology of the future. It's not going away. The way we interact with crypto, many of us, it's like, okay, I'm gonna buy some Bitcoin and I'm gonna hope that value is gonna go up and then I'm gonna get rich. That kind of model probably isn't sustainable highly likely not sustainable. But when you look at the technology behind it, that's definitely is here to stay. So that's like the oh. full picture spectrum when you look at it. 
<laughs> that's uh, that's the whole ecosystem that we are talking about, right? So absolutely. it's absolutely yeah. it's not yeah. it's not just one tech or the other. It's everything mm -hmm. that gels together. Then it makes sense. Wow, that's uh, that's a great answer. And uh, Sunny, thank you so much for the very in-depth and insightful conversation this morning. That's uh, sure. that, that that that's awesome. And uh, I highly encourage everybody who listens to uh, to the show to connect with Sunny Sunny Abdul Jabbar uh, on LinkedIn. And don't forget to get a copy of Makers. That's the best-selling book. If you are into uh, AI universe, I'm pretty sure you'll have a ton of value. Sunny Abdul-Jabbar, please connect with Sunny on LinkedIn. Sunny, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Ludmilla here. Thanks so much for listening to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. If you are a B2B tech founder who would like to be on the show, visit podcast.rampic.agency. If you've got something from this interview that you would like to share, please go ahead and post a link to this episode on social media. Just grab a link, send it to a friend. If you know someone who will be a great guest on the show, tag them in your post to let them know about the show and include our podcast name, which is B2B Tech Founders Launch, in your post. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are adding new episodes frequently, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Visit us at Rampic Agency website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.